Visit a free download from Delancey Elim Church. Meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elim Church building at the Bank St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. Contact us to find out more information about us. Please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. Moses, my servant, is dead. 
you know, often, we can often base our, our lives really on, we can often be so reliant on people, we can rely on all kinds of other, other things, because really, he said, after Moses, my servant is dead. In other words, if Joshua had been a person who was just relying totally on Moses for his own experience in God, he'd have been in trouble. He says, Moses, my son, is now dead. And it's, it's amazing that Joshua didn't rely on Moses as such an incredible leader. He decided not to rely on Moses' experience, but to develop an inner life, an experience of God himself. We haven't got time to go into it, but I think next to this verse that when Moses left the tent, the tabernacle when he left that, not the Bible says about Joshua, he stayed there. He stayed in the presence. Even when Moses left, he remained there. Joshua, if you like, was a man of the presence. He learned to encounter God for himself. He learned to experience God for himself. He lived from the inside out. That's how we're meant to live. How many realize that? You're meant to live your Christian life from the inside out. Not from your circumstances, not from your feelings, and living from the inside out. And Joshua learned to live his life, not from the internal. Because when you live your life from the inside out, then the outside doesn't dictate your life. Your circumstances don't dictate your life. People don't dictate your life. You're living your life from the inside. So it's after, because Joshua, you've built a relationship with me, now Moses is there, that doesn't stop you, that doesn't hold you back. Now is the time to enter into our heavenly And I just think that is just such an incredible promise. It says that, I said to Joshua and Moran, this is interesting, this is an interesting fact. But the message of many, every book in the Bible has got a message, every book. No, every book has a certain message attached to it. And you'll quite often, the way you know what that message of that book is, often through the first verse. Not always, but most of the time, the first verse reveals what the message of the book was about. For example, the book of Genesis is all about beginnings. New beginnings, at beginnings. And the first verse was what? In the, the whole book. Well, Joshua is a book about conquest. It's a book about victory. So what's the first phrase? Arise. Arise. That's the message of the book. It's about people arising and entering into the fullness of the promises of God. It's an interesting. And because it's a book of conquest, it's interesting that when God revealed himself to Moses to, to, to Noah, he revealed himself as a so Abraham revealed himself as a friend of God. To Joshua, he reveals himself as a captain of the army, of the host of the Lord. It's a book about conquest. That's when you get a hold of this understands what this book's about. Of the victory and the power that this book is really, really all about. Now, um, I think it is, go back to verse 9. Then the point, God has got incredible promises for us, destiny for us, has got amazing things for our life, promises that. Why is the one thing that holds us back from entering? You think, if all those promises are given to me, how come we don't live without? 
How can we not enter into all the promises of God? So he's given Joshua this incredible promise, you're going to take our land, the whole land is going to be yours. But he tells them to watch out for something that could hold him back with hindering from entering into the promises. You see in verse 5. It says, As I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Look at this. For the Lord your God is with you. For everything. He said, Don't be afraid. In other words, the thing off the spot and off the spot. From entering into the promise of God, so often, so often fear. I'm just going to promise you, yeah! With so many fear rises in your heart. All kinds of thoughts and fears tell you why you can't enter into that promise of God. And we receive a prophetic word, for example. That God has given you an amazing prophetic word of what sort of destiny is God for you. And you say, yeah, and then suddenly a fear, a sense of inadequacy, a sense of that you are unable to do that begins to rise in your heart. And so God is addressing you to Joshua's wife a massive problem. He says, don't be afraid. Because when you think about it, God is not going to tell Joshua something he had no control of. See, one thing about fear we need to realise is fear is not your friend. Fear is an enemy. It's an enemy. It seems to, to hold you and hinder you and, and devastate your life. Fear is not a friend. Fear is an absolute enemy. In fact, sometimes we can so allow fear to get a grip of us, it almost becomes normal. It almost becomes a normal experience because we're so used to submitting to the fear, it almost becomes part of who we are, our identity. It, it's almost because normal to us. But, but fear for the child of God is not a normality. Fear is an enemy. And fear will hinder you and hold you back. I think that's one of the things we need week after week about fear. No longer what slaves of fear are like. Why? Because we're children of God. Children of God don't live under the control and the domination of fear. Fear. You know what? Fear is a sin. I mean, you like that. Why? Because God says, and he says, and God commanded them, be not afraid. Jesus says, fear not. So fear actually is disobeying the word of God. Because God says, don't be fearful. So when I am fearful, I'm disobeying what God says. Isn't that right? He says, fear not. And I think God begins to show to Joshua how to deal with fear. Because in verse 8, before verse 9, he says, therefore, meditate on the law. Meditate on this law. Meditate on the word of God, day and night. In other words, don't think on your fear. Don't think on your circumstances. Begin to think on the word of God. And the way to really eradicate fear in your life is to meditate on the word of God. Because what you think on, what you focus on, is what's going to control. So if I'm focusing on my problems, because I thought, what does meditate mean? It means to give your attention and your focus on, is that right? How does worry come? How, how do we pick up worry? Because we meditate on the problem, is that right? 
And the more I think on the problem, the more I meditate on the problem, the more I begin to work. And does fear come? Someone just defined fear as false expectations appear real. And the false expectations appear real. That's what I think. That's what I'm focusing on. That's what I'm meditating on. God says, Joshua, the way to deal with your fear is to meditate on my promises. Is to give your attention and your focus to my promises. And the more you center your mind, the more you center your heart, and he says, day and night. And we found night is the big time that the fear comes. And we found When you lie in bed, and then boom, your, your mind needs to be bombarded all the time to stop in the night. So God to address us as even in the night, think of my word. Not just during the day, but also during the nights. And you know, I found an incredible difference just by doing that, just by just like going to sleep, just focusing and thinking on a promise of God. How many found that's the greatest night's sleep in the world? It's actually pretty awesome. As I encourage you, just deal with fear in your life. And sometimes we have to deal with it, we have to deal with the small fears before we get to the You don't deal with the small fears. And the tendency is the small fears begin to be what? So I deal with the small fears before they become I allow them to grow me and just be right. You notice it's like something it starts because it feels the one little thing, and before you know what, it's expanded to everything. You know, it's just grown and enlarged for you. And that's how the enemy does it. It starts, first of all, by sowing a thought in your mind, a small thought. But the more you receive that thought, the more you think on that thought, the more you meditate on that thought, it is the growing more to your overwhelmed by fear. So God says, Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. That means he would have had a lot of reason to be fearful. A lot of reason to be dismayed, is that right? You think about it, you're taking over from the greatest leaders ever been. That's one good reason there to be afraid of fear, is that right? And to be dismayed. So God said in with Joshua, there will be a temptation for you to be fearful and to be dismayed. Don't give one. Don't be fearful, don't be afraid, I'll be here. In it, well, I think one of the big antidotes to fear also is that God is with you. Like if you in your heart have a revelation, God is with you. You know fear. It's too big for us. Why do we get fearful? Because we've lost that conscious sense. God is with you. If that is true, I don't know. We've got the promises, we've got the presence. Don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. And then he goes on to sort of, I think, give this incredible first dreams promise there. It says to him, verse 3, this is the word promise, every place. But the soul of your foot will tread upon. I have given to give it to us. In other words, the only ground or the only territory they could claim was that which their foot was placed. In the Old Testament times, that was a sign of ownership of your foot. Book of Ruth, for example. Little picture of Boaz, and he, 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 he gets land. And the way they do land is that you gave his sandals. Is that the land? Every agreement is my sandals. Imagine if you did that today, you know, 
entered in ahead by sun lord. I'm going to prove my ownership of this line. Here's the sun lord. I have this line. You know, my, my, uh, what's a good mate for? Someone's a good mate for cross. Read it. You read the cross. Everyone reads the cross. The shy owner is mine. And that's a big talk. And so, please, if uh, you'll find a fleet book of Joshua's on the main, one of the main words of these. And you're like, I hate fleet. And we fleet of the same number. Anyway, the point is, is, is that the fleet represented ownership of what you possess, what you claim. The Bible say, the only way you enter into promise is you've got a claim. I think there's loads of things that we should be claiming. And often we don't enter into the promise because we don't claim the promise. I think there's all kinds of things we should be claiming. I think we should be claiming our own things. We should be claiming We should be claiming the sign of the We should be claiming deliverances. We should be claiming certain provision. All kinds of things are there for us to claim because they're in the promises of God. It's a promise, and God said, I'm making that promise available to you. All you need to do is learn how to claim what I said belongs to you. I think often, as Christians, as a children of God, we live so far below the provisions of Jesus' name. Why? Because we never The equivalent of the New Testament book to Joshua is the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1, for instance, all spiritual blessings has been given to us in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus. So all spiritual blessings, not some, not a few, but all spiritual blessings have been made available to you in Christ Jesus. You've got to pull your foot on it and claim action. How do you realise that doesn't come in? The book of Joshua, we're going to go on and show you this. There's going to be all kinds of battles. There's going to be all kinds of things that are going to try us holding back the claiming of God's promise belongs to us. That's where it means to be a They're coming to all of us. They go to the battle, believing the claim of God has been made available to you in Christ Jesus. Now, then verse 12. It's an interesting phrase here. This is kind of interesting. It says unto the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. Your wise and your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on the, this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed with your mighty men, power and help. So the Lord has given you rest and he gave you. They also took possession of the land of the Lord your God. Now this land will come all the details. Let me show us about That's about a people, three tribes or two large tribes. That actually says, we don't want to go over the Jordan to the promised land. The land we've got here is so wonderful, it's so fertile, so productive. We'll help you in the battle, but after we've won the battle, then we're going back over the other side again. We're going to live there, we're going to be there. And you see history told us that's what happened. They helped the children of Israel fight in the battle, and then after that they went back to their own land. Bible says they paid a heavy price for that. 
Because when Israel was invaded or attacked, they were the first tribes that were removed from destroyed. And I think it's often as believers that we can face some kind of we can enter into some kind of blessing, never fully commented, kind of go back and 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 and, and, and kind of not really press on and press forward. We want the words that came in, but persevere. And it's so easy to live in comfortability. Just stay as we are. Stay comfortable. Stay as we are. I don't want to fight that thing. I don't want to battle for the, for the spiritual blessings God has got for us. We're comfortable in our own kind of where we are at. But every time you found this, if you don't move forward, then you realise there's no kind of between you either moving forward or you move backwards. If you're not moving forward in God, then the ultimate reason is you're moving backwards. No you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. So we need to be sure that God, that what we have now, have you realised that what we have now is not all of it? We would say that. Us will change, every bit of us will change. He wrote the book, The Uttermost Highest. We read that book. Sorry, Dad, Dad, wrote it. He said something like the other time. He says that if this is all, is what, if what I'm experiencing now is all there is, it is if Christianity is a fraud. In other words, he's saying, if what I've got now is all there is, something's somehow missing. God wants you to come into this one. If this is all there is, there's somewhere we've missed this, is that right? Because God has got so much more that's got for us. So many more things He wants to do. I don't care if you've raised people from the dead. I don't care if you saw thousands and thousands come to Christ. There is still more. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not yet attained. How many of you think he did a few amazing things? He said, I've not yet attained it right. Let's on. So I know there's so much more. Come into one by that. That's how we want, we don't want to stay in any kind of comfortability. We don't want to stay as we are. It's going to be a whole lot There's so much more we want to make available. There's so many more promises I've never fully grasped or ended into yet. So much things of the Spirit I've not touched yet. So many things I know you've called me to do I've not yet obtained it. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. So enter into your fullness. So I don't want to stay alone, so I never stay alone out here. Actually, ultimately, I'm going to be right ahead of you. I don't think you're going to call you. Now, I want to go down to uh, chapter 2 because I think it's one of my favourite characters. Rahab, every bit of Rahab. I think Rahab is an amazing character. I think she's got kind of a lot to teach us. Let's look at just Rahab. Joshua chapter 2. I will just read a few verses to get a little bit of hold of this. Now, Joshua. Son of Nun. Incidentally, how do you know the word Joshua means Savior? You know, the, point, the Greek equivalent of the word Joshua is the name Jesus. That's awesome to know that. So it's a beautiful picture of Jesus. Uh, and actually, the word, so actually the word Nun also means fish. So you can see all the other connections there. And he sent out two men from Acre Grove. The spice seeking saying, Go view the land, 
especially Jericho. I want to say this, they so they came to the house of a heart named Rahab. And they Look at this. Such an old girl. I said she was a prostitute. And a house, if you want to go on the wall. I'm not It's a house on the wall that means what is on the fence. So God's going to impact someone who's living a life on the fence. On the wall. There can't be people who live on the fence anyway. Tend the tendency to live on the fence eventually. They can't find them there. They don't live on the fence right? God saw faith. He looked at his life and he saw something of faith. How did he know there was faith in her? Because she had action. Faith without, not faith by words, but faith has to be demonstrated by action. Faith is demonstrated by action. We always have to take action. If we really believe something, then we act out what we believe. We can't say we have faith if we don't act on what we believe. Is that right? So faith is accompanied by action. We act what we believe. If we believe it, we act like it's true. You see that? That's what faith is. It's acting like a promise, like the word is true. So she had an action. Ever thought about where she kind of had that kind of faith? in verse 9. And he said to the men, I know the Lord has given you his land, but the terror of you is falling on us, and all, all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. We heard how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea, how you camped out of Egypt, and how you, how you, how you did to the two kings of Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sawyer and Mark. Then we want to be destroyed. This is just saying, you know, I've got faith. So I've heard and I've seen the supernatural thing that God is doing through. Let me see the chapter number one. I think we're really impacting. There needs to be kind of evidence found in you and I of the place of God. So this is some evidence. The people need to look at us and see some evidence there's something supernatural working in your life. If we're just the same as everybody else, then there's no real impact, is that right? And there needs to be some kind of evidence that there is a supernatural God working and living through you and I am men. That's the thing that impacts, that's the thing that stirs, that's the thing that moves people's hearts when they see the evidence of a supernatural God being planted in your life. I think it's Bill Johnson says, we hold the world and encounter it. In other words, but we have an encounter with God to be an encounter to other people. The thing I love about this is that Rahab was a harlot. She's a prostitute. In fact, I say to this statement, Rahab is part of Jesus' genealogy. You read the genealogy. Rahab was part of Jesus' genealogy. God tells me today that our past does not dictate our future in the Your yesterday does not have control of your tomorrow, but willing to make the right choices. Let's put it back. A woman who has such a past 
God's sort of life in front of you. Is that good? If you don't want destruction to come to your house, so I promise that. This has got a scarlet cord on top. And if you do that, then no destruction will come to your house. She, she says to them, look, I don't want your salvation for me. I want it for my family. I want everyone in my household to say. So if you want that to happen, then tie and start. And that's just an unfair picture. A woman who has such a past, yeah, he says, in the future, and not only her, a few things came back from about this one. I thought often, you know what? Sometimes I hold the staff. From being that witness of our families. I said a few things. That's the first thing that I want to say this three from my heart. Don't allow the guilt of your past stop you from being that witness of your family. That's the point you think, well, I messed up. I failed. I you know, I failed in all kinds of ways, and I wasn't that witness that I should have been. What's the point of doing it now because I failed in the past? I want you to remember the scar And I want you to remember the blood of Jesus removed everything. You know, sometimes, there are parents who say, you know what? How can I witness to my children when they're doing the things I used to do when I was their age? How can I possibly witness to that? Listen. The blood of Jesus has removed your witness. And because of that, you can still be an incredible witness and testament to your heart. Because the blood has removed it. Let the blood deal with the guilt. Let the blood deal with the condemnation. Let the blood cover the failure. Now, I look at the Ark of the Covenant and that's not me. I don't know what the culture is right the Ark of the Covenant was the Ark of Testament. In that book, there was the manna, remember that? The manna. There was the, the stone tablet, the Lord's commandments of Moses, the Aaron's rod, all put in the Ark. Though I know there's a testament to God's supernatural power, but also I bet it's going to happen. Those are all the three areas where Israel failed. It was all their family right there. And it's put in this box where the mercy seat was and there's blood over it. When the Philistines captured it, they removed the top of it. And that was struck down. And I felt God was saying this. The moment anyone tries to uncover the top of it, I'm going to hold it back The blood covers your past, your failures, your mistakes. So you can stand before the family. No matter how would you feel with Stand before them being that. And Joshua realized this. When a scarlet falls, the family is I think it's time to clean the blood of Jesus around you from that To begin to really fully believe that to you and your household all of these things. No matter how distant they seem, how far away they seem, how messed up they might even seem right now, begin to daily claim your family. Keep pressing through and stop claiming the blood and believe to you and your household salvation. 
ever shared the story. I went with my mom before my mom came to say that. My mom actually went to hear Billy Graham. She went to hear some of the some of the greatest evangelists, Jeremy Bandits, that ever came on something to see. No impact whatsoever. Problem was with my mom, and she was an amazing lady, really. I mean, she was one of these people who was just good. She did good things. She did them an hour early just to help the old lady on the road get her ready, get her dressed. But anyway, she stood because she felt for her. She was, they were so generous, she was so generous, so kind, did amazing things for people. You know, as I grew up in, I never ever heard my parents ever. I never even heard them argue. It was like, but they weren't Christians, they weren't saved. They may even have the appearance of it, but they were not saved. I remember waking up. The period of time, I'd wake up, just sweat poured, I'd just be poor to sweat. The sense of them being lost is gripping. I would just wake up in the night, be poor to sweat. Sensing their lostness. So I began to commit myself, began to, began to pray and fast every lunchtime. Pray and fast. And it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. So right out of the blue, suddenly called the house. They just called the house witnessing. And right there in the house, this guy, an unknown guy to my Went to the house, went to the village, ran over every man, this guy turns up to the house, and they get something. And I think there's something powerful about planning, pressing through, declaring the good, readily believing your heart to the family, to the salvation, to you and them. I'm so concerned. I think I have my really believe with all my heart. Let me kind of close with this. I'm not sure, the gone. But I'm going to look at, we're going to, you know, looking at the, and, and across the room, just for a second. Remember what they, the priest was told to do? The priest was told to put their foot in the river. That's the matter. After bathing. The moment they put their foot in the river, that river passed. And I was just thinking, almost they get their feet wet to see the river pass. Sometimes you've got to get your feet wet. Sometimes you've got to act on what God says. Which means sometimes you're going to get your feet wet. If you want to see someone saved, maybe you need to get your feet wet and start to witness to them in front of the church. Maybe if you want to see someone healed, maybe you need to get your feet wet and start praying for the video of Amen. Maybe if you want to get your feet wet, that, that, that you're going to sort of see a breakthrough in prayer. Maybe you're going to pray faster. In other words, get your feet wet. So I think it was Wigglesworth who said this if God doesn't move, I move. In other words, I would, he would step out. And he would so step out, I'm talking about he raised the dead. I mean, the beautiful story when he went to, when he took, he got God telling him to raise him from the dead. And this person's in the coffin. And so he went up into the coffin, took the body up, put it against the wall. Remember the old people around looking, imagine this? Puts the body against the wall, and the body just shh. Now he would right there, run out right there, forget the door. But he did it. Five times. Six times. Nothing happened. And on the seventh time, he picked the body up, the body came to life. It's that kind of thing that 
He was a man who would act. Remember, God said he would act upon him. And because he believed God would work when he acted upon him, God actually began to give evidence that there was his dependence. That's part of what I God wants us to do. So let's get that big wet and talk about the things that we are, and something like that. Focus on the heart. Focus on the presence of God, focus on the heart. I was going to talk about the stone of remembrance with Tom Young. This was such a just coming to the end. So when I sit, she sits down there, I think this is what I'm going to talk about. Just for the right now, these moments. I want to say, I want to just cry right now, making this this family member right now on your heart. I want to come on now, I want to believe God. I'm just going to leave with the Lord being sitting on you. If there's no one in your heart right now, say, God, help fight the right of him. Believe that loved one that seems so far from you, so distant from you. I've tried everything I know. And maybe you're here today, maybe the Lord's trying to forgive you. Trying to remind you, maybe, of the different ways you fail. That's God, but He's trying to put that guilt on you, so how can you? I just feel today God wants you to be a kind of right hand. Just a wave of lightness, God, a coming part of the world. A little that full of that part of the right hand. And I'm believing right now that I'm coming. I'm not putting on my own faith. I'm coming on the merits of Jesus. I really believe that God can. Touch that point. I don't know how he can do it. God believe I'm claiming those ones. Not one of them is going to be lost. Not one of them will die away in Christ. I believe that God has sold salvation. My parents. I think God has sold salvation. I said, I just had a moment when I looked at my mom. A moment of feeling the lostness. The absolute horror, the actual fear of that lostness of being an Jesus was so overwhelming. That's what lostness is. We have to be without Jesus. I want you to do it right now, if you're so still in your heart, and today, and the intimacy of families, and that you really are crying out to God for you. I just want to simply stand where you are. We're going to just pray together. People today just want to cry to the Lord that I'm praying excellent salvation. They're not going to get lost. Almost, you're going to refuse to let them get lost. Almost, I was going to refuse to let my mom that was just later it was. Two years later, my mom died. Two years after that event, she died. But those two years you lived really on fire for you. So that everyone is like, I want to ask you. Alright, let's put your hands in the shop. Pray with them, I'm going to pray with them. Pray with them. Father God, we, we, we thank you today. Thank you for your amazing love today. And Lord, today we want to bring our loved ones to you right now. We want to bring 
declare over our loved ones, declare over our land, Lord, we believe you for household salvation. We believe, Lord, they will be saved. We believe they will come to Christ. We believe, Lord, that they will be delivered. Lord, we claim them now for you. We don't come on our own. We don't all focus on our own failings, our own mistakes, Lord. But, Lord, we claim and plead the blood of Jesus over this family right now. We put a scarlet cord in their windows. We put a scarlet cord in your blood. And right now, just name them by name. Lord, just bring their name to the Lord. Just tell them their name. Right now, say, Lord, these are their names. I'm bringing them right now. These are their names. I'm bringing them before the Lord right now. I'm bringing their names. Lord, we thank you for every name right now. Every name that's brought before your throne, Lord. We ask for your Holy Spirit now to go before us. We ask for you, Lord, to send labors to them. We ask you now to begin to work, to begin to move on their hearts of God. We begin to ask you to touch them right now as never before. Lord, we ask you to open walls and barriers and walls will come down. And your spirit will begin to move and work upon their hearts. We claim household salvation to you, to you and your household. To you and your household, we remind you of your word. We remind you of your promises today, O God. We thank you that your word will not return to your void, but will accomplish all that you sent it to do. And right now, we claim your promises and just bless your people right now. A blessing of God in your mighty name. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.